Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And welcome back to Mads World. I'm your host, Mads, and I hope you have been enjoying the show so far. If you have, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. In this episode, I am joined by award-winning freelance features writer and columnist Rose Stokes. Having written for a range of titles, including The Guardian, The Telegraph, Vice, Grazia, and the BBC, Rose has explored everything from pregnancy, periods, and the morning after pill, to sex workers, body image, and mental health. With her broad knowledge on all things dating, sex, and relationships, Rose makes the perfect guest for Mads World, so I am bloody thrilled to be joined by her to chat about all things love, life lessons, and of course, her best tips on flirting in a post-pandemic world. Hello, Rose. Hi. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, about a week before Christmas and um, I'm starting to wind down and trying to get into the Christmas spirit. But obviously the news headlines at the moment are a little bit scary. I um, know. So, <laughs> um, but London's becoming a little bit of a, a frightening place at the moment. But yeah, in a really good mood because got kind of not, not much on work wise and I'm just busying myself making Christmas chutneys and watching movies. Oh my God, <laughs> that sounds I love yeah. that. Um, there's actually a massive time difference between you and I at the moment. So I'm in Australia. I've flown here a couple of days ago, which is so exciting. So I'm back for Christmas. And um, yeah, I'm not working for five weeks. So oh my gosh. I know. Wow. Look at us. That's amazing. Just living our best lives. Um, so I am so excited to have you on the podcast because you have written for so many amazing titles. So Grazia, Metro, Vice, Refinery, Guardian, and um, I would consider you an expert in so many diverse topics. You've written about everything from sex to relationships to dating to sexual health. Um, and I absolutely love your article. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks. I always say like the, um, the fact that I cover so much makes me actually not an expert. <laughs> It's like jack of all trades, right? Uh, yeah, jack of all trades or a master of none or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's from, like, from day to day, I'm like, right, today I'm looking at this and yeah. just have like five hours to get into it. So sometimes I think I, I, did, I, I did tend to focus on women's health and, and sex and dating. So I, I do have a bit more experience in that area. 
Yeah, and you have so many good insights and everything. So I'm super buzzing to have you on the podcast. I thought we could go with a topic like how to flirt because that will sort of bring all of the things that you've learned into one as it's a very good overview sort of topic. So um, let's get stuck into our speed date questions so everyone can learn a little bit more about you. What is your all-time favourite rom-com? Oh, um... It's Christmas at the moment, so I feel like I, I do really like the holiday. I love um, the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, no, I know what it is. It's mm. 10 Things I Hate About You. <gasps> it's like the kind of, that's the movie. Like, I remember it came out on VCR, so that's mm-hmm. t- betraying my age a little bit. Um, <laughs> when I was like 10 and I got it for Christmas and I remember I got um, I got a video player in my room, like when I, I don't know how old I was. Lucky girl. I used to watch it every week like once a week and to the point where I could like I, I know the whole script <laughs> it's amazing and Heath Ledger is just such a heartthrob isn't he it's oh just my goodness so I miss him so much <laughs> me too it was just a national tragedy for Australian twin I can imagine <laughs> like he was oh, so gorgeous like yeah. I I remember like yeah when he died being like more devastated than is acceptable for someone that you've never met. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird when celebrities die. I had that with Steve Irwin as well, who was like another Aussie oh, hero. Yeah. It was just, I just remember like my mum was crying for like a week. It was an emotional time for Aussies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a big deal in Australia, right? Yeah, national hero. So I was going to say for my all-time favourite rom-com, I was going to say Love Actually because it is Christmas, but I feel like I watched it recently and it's kind of problematic. There's some yeah. parts of it. I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> well, so I found The Holiday less problematic when I rewatched mm. it. So mm-hmm. I don't know if <laughs> but um But, like, I'm trying, like, it's really hard because Christmas comes around so quickly, the older mm-hmm. you get, yeah. that, like, my friend Amelia watches, like, um, every Christmas she watches everything. She has like a grueling schedule of like getting through all of the Christmas films. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't know which Christmas films to watch this year. Cause you know, I watched mm-hmm. Home Alone last year and she was like, but, but that was last year. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, but it feels, it feels really recent. Like it feels like I just watched it. Um, yeah. but we've got, we're actually this year thinking of, um, mining the classics. So like, uh, ones from like the thirties, forties, fifties, or like the Hollywood, like golden era. Ah. Like, yeah. Cause I haven't really watched them. And there's a couple that my boyfriend's found that are like, uh, um, you know, really well reviewed and rated or whatever. Cause we found this like list of a hundred greatest Christmas films. So we're sort of working through that. Wow. I reckon they would be problematic in their own ways. Probably. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I think you have to suspend your judgment a little bit and yeah. try and get into the, like, but there, I mean, there are definitely some films that, like, I just can't watch anymore. I haven't mm. watched Love Actually in a while. Obviously, the Andrew Lincoln bit with Kira Knightley is pretty weird now. Yeah, it's so weird. There's so much of it when I was just like, this is just a lot of older men just fucking over a lot of young, hot women who they can do way better. Like, it just, I found it weird, but I, I mean, Pretty I still, much. I still kind of love it though. It's just like a classic. And I think it's one of those nostalgic films that you have good memories watching it with your pals or with your fam or whatever. Yeah. So my next question is, what is the best thing that's happened to you recently? Actually, I've been quite high on the like big news headlines in my personal life recently. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm currently 
I guess four months pregnant today actually Um, congratulations (laughs) thank you um and uh yes today actually four months and then um and I got engaged a couple weeks ago look at you go you're just kicking goals this year (laughs) it's really funny because um I was single for the longest time and Mm -hmm. I was single during all of the periods when all my friends were settling down and they were getting engaged and I and I had to go to all the weddings and whatever and obviously I was like super happy for all my friends but I kind of got to the stage where I was like this ain't happening for me and then, um, but like I was kind of, I'd made peace with it. I wasn't really sad about it. Like yeah, I was yeah. sad about the idea of not having kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite melodramatic of me in hindsight, because I'm only 34 now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I had like the weirdest little love story. Like um, I had been single for like three, oh, four years, three years, something like that. And then I had completely sworn off dating so I was so sick of it um, and sick of the sort of transactional nature of it and the fact that everyone just sort of ghosts each other and whatever. And then when the pandemic hit and we went into lockdown, I was single, um, lived alone and I'm a freelancer. So I work alone and I found it like a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> um, and I kind of just like, I actually quite enjoyed it, you know, actually mm. the solitude at the beginning. But then a couple of weeks in, I was like, oh, I wonder if the dating landscape has changed because no one can actually like meet up and then ghost each other anymore. Like, I wonder if people are kind of giving each other more mm-hmm. like patience and like kind of actually getting to know each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. So as an experiment, quote unquote, I <laughs> downloaded the apps mm-hmm. and I was also like, you know what, it'd be nice to chat to people because I'm sort of not really doing anything. Yeah. And I started seeing dating as like something where I could like meet new people rather than like, usually I'd, I'd got to the stage where it was so pressured. Like whenever I met people, I was like, oh, well, do I like them or not? Um, but because I was stuck at home, I was like, it doesn't really matter. I can just have a chat with a person. Anyway, I, do- I downloaded the apps and like went on one Zoom date with the guy that I never spoke to again. Zoom dates, though. I know. <laughs> oh my God. And then I met my, and then the second guy that I, um, that I connected with was Simon, who's now <gasps> my fiance. <laughs> It's such a good so story. We had um so he was living alone in another part of London. Mm-hmm. So we had a Zoom date. So I think that we met in in May. So I think we were sort of starting to ease the lockdown a bit. It was mid-May. Mm-hmm. And so we had our first Zoom date. Lasted like six hours. We were talking about it the other oh day. Oh god. And then and then the and then the restrictions eased a little bit. So the next day we went for a walk in the park. Oh, wow. Um, but it was in the days <laughs> of the pandemic where like, I mean, not that everyone was being really, really well behaved and everyone was very, very scared. So Yeah, it was like that, wasn't it? I went it on a really few was, park dates yeah. at, um, at Victoria Park and it, it was just a lot of people. You could tell a lot of people were on walking dates. It was a weird vibe and people were really like, you know, two metres away. I think everyone's a bit more relaxed about it now, but it was full on. We went to Hyde Park and, and we went to, I think there's like a rose garden or a flower garden there was a bench and I remember sitting like on direct opposite ends of it (laughs) and like he'd brought some beers but we were like trying really hard not to touch each other like (laughs) but when we like were giving each other like he was like here's a beer and like putting it down the middle and then I was like picking it up oh my god (laughs) and then um so that was our first date um and we didn't touch each other and then we did like he's I can't remember now I think we did three park dates like one one a week for like three weeks and by the time we had basically decided that 
we were kind of on the cusp of like, are we going to touch each other? <laughs> um, I think we'd known each other for like five weeks at that point. Oh my God. And you could have been in each other's bubbles if you lived alone. Well, no, because it was before bubbles. Oh God. It was, there was so many rules. I don't I even know. Remember. It was before <laughs> bubbles. Um, but actually after five weeks was when Boris announced the bubbles. So we had this sort of weird like conversation. I was, I always say like in a way, like I really struggled to have difficult conversations in dating and pandemic kind of acted as a really great framework for me. So we had to have, I like, because we had to have the conversation. So I remember having this conversation, like with someone who I'd known for five weeks had never touched. And we were like, if we touch each other, then we can't touch anyone else. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, like are we uh, exclusive? Like, it was for, really for weird. <laughs> like, we hadn't even kissed, but it was like, are we going to forsake all others? Like, oh my God. And we just had to have these really like, conversations like well if we bubble then you can't date other people and it's very like frank. it was really I love it <laughs> well there was like it was like a safety thing it was like more yeah. than anything else like we kind of had to um mm-hmm. it forced me to be more honest with what I wanted because I was like I really like mm. this guy and actually I, I would basically prefer him not to date other people <laughs> um but um the pandemic provided me with a great little framework to be like oh it's actually a health thing um <laughs> I just want you to. I just want to. I just want to be safe. Um, But yeah, so then we bubbled up, Mm. um, which is funny because you know, like obviously, like it was quite a big deal because I had to choose between bubbling with my (laughs) mum or this guy that I'd met like a few weeks ago because you only get one. Oh my god! And um, and and it all worked out. And like, yeah, I mean, rest is history. I guess we did the next lockdowns together, and we moved in together in like earlier this year. Got pregnant. Now we're getting married, apparently. Oh, my God. It's just all happening. 2021 was a bad year for a lot of people, but I feel like you've just cleaned up this year. You've done really well. Yeah, no, it's been really – I feel really lucky. Yeah. Oh, that is so lovely to hear. And um, what does a successful relationship look like to you? Um, Well, we are really, really equal. Like, in every respect – and we communicate really well, like even about the hard stuff. I think we, mm-hmm. from the beginning, I, I, I think because the, the environment and the context, it kind of set the tone for the relationship. We've kind of got used to having difficult relationships, um, sorry, difficult conversations Yeah, very early on. So I think we're very sort of honest with each other. Mm-hmm. And we do truly believe that the other one, we, we, we it's the most equal and... Uh, balanced relationship I've ever had I love where that. if one person feels like they're doing too much the other one's like yeah fair enough you are <laughs> would you say that having the five weeks to get to know each other meant that you sort of built a foundation of respect and friendship and stuff before you got into the physical stuff because I feel like that's the best way to do it like you know getting with a friend I always just become friends with someone and then end up fancying them like for who they are type thing it's so funny because um I actually like and I'm sure he's gonna overhear this in the next (laughs) room and be like laughing but I fancied him straight away um but I um but I just loved his uh he's got this he's just so kind and warm and lovely like that that like was the main thing I was like I, I instantly felt safe with him and um and um I would say you know what, like, I'm kind of loathe to say this because I don't judge anyone for jumping into bed with people like on the first day. I did it plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think for me, being forced into a situation where I had to take it slowly mm-hmm. was actually because of just of the way that I am emotionally, I think it was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that it's, you know, I don't think that there's any sort of 
unilateral rules mm. that work for everyone. I think I had been dating in a way that wasn't working for me for a long time and struggling to find a way to enjoy mm-hmm. it. And this kind of helped me to date in a different way yeah. that actually was better for me emotionally um, because it meant that I was really confident before any of the physical stuff started sort of clouding my judgment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was very confident that this was like a good person mm-hmm. and that he would, you know, he wasn't just going to, I remember cycling away from our first in real life date and normally I would be like, oh God, am I going to hear from him again? Am I going to see him again? Is mm-hmm. he going to want to like, and I remember cycling back and being like, oh, well, of course I'm going to see him again. Because, and having this just like crazy confidence, I was like, yeah, because that went really well and we clearly like each other. So, yeah. and, and I trusted him. I don't know. It was, it's weird. But I think, yeah, it worked for me in that situation, but I'm sort of loath to um, <laughs> say, because I just think everyone does things in their own way. And I know plenty of people mm-hmm that slept with each other on the first date and they got married. So I just think it's whatever works for you. It's what works for you and it's what works for for the two people together and that couple as well. Because, I mean, there's plenty of people that, yeah, do sleep with someone on the first date or maybe their usual style is to, like, get to know someone and play the long game. But then, you know, it might work out for them in a certain partnership where sleeping with someone works better for them. So it just, yeah, you're so right. It really is dependent on both people. I think, like, every single relationship you enter in your life is going to be different like yeah and because it's all about the sort of alchemy of mm-hmm. your oh, union like word. it's <laughs> it's the same as like my mum says it about when you mm. have a baby like mm. every relationship that you have with every different baby you have is different because yeah. they're a different person and you're two different people together like mm-hmm. I think like I kind of uh I want to kind of move away from this like this is how you should date and this is what you should do like Mm. ultimately I think the best advice for dating is to trust your gut yeah and you know if you feel like something's not right then to follow that logic Mm -hmm. um and try not to beat yourself up about it and try to just be like as true to your feelings as you can yeah it's the only thing I can really think is a is a sort of mm-hmm. you know universal piece of advice I think that's really good advice and I think it kind of works for everyone as well because it's just giving people the flexibility to just be who they want to be yeah and like every single bad relationship I've had mm. I, I knew at the beginning it was bad yeah <laughs> like I I literally like within weeks mm-hmm. like would have noticed something that mm. wasn't good and that will have been the thing we broke up about two years later. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, it's like an initial red flag and you ignore it because you like them exactly, or something. Exactly, because you think mm-hmm. maybe it'll change or maybe I will change or maybe I'm just being too sensitive or yeah. maybe um, maybe I'm just, you know, too picky or like this mm-hmm. or that. And then two years later, you're like, yeah, I did notice that in the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, and you look back on the things that you like kind of, yeah, thought were initial red flags and you're like, oh, that was so obvious. Like, why did I yeah. look over that? Yeah, agree completely. Indeed. What life lessons have you had to learn the hard way? Oh, every single one, I think. <laughs> I think relationships has been the area of my life I've struggled the most, like, mm-hmm. um, historically. Uh, just the sort of, I think that the idea that you can change that you can make a relationship work simply by trying, like, is one that I learned the hard way. Um, that obviously you do have to make a lot of effort in relationships, mm-hmm. but every relationship I had that was was difficult from the beginning or difficult to keep going, like, was ultimately not the right one for me. And I think that's sort of 
thing that we're taught from rom-coms or whatever that blind perseverance <laughs> um you know wins I I actually I think for me in the end it was like actually yeah learning how to tune into my own inner frequency and listen to what it was saying and try to trust that more as well as the whole timeline thing like as I said like you know I was in a way pretty melodramatic because I'm still only 34 um and my life's changed a lot recently but um I definitely, I mean, I broke up with someone when I was 29 Mm -hmm. and I definitely had that like, oh my God, where am I going? What am I doing? Everyone else has got it sorted. And, um, hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And actually, it was just the start of a new series of events for me <laughs> and you could never you, you never know at the time do you you just think no. like you don't know what's next for you but look at you now well I think as well I actually did in a way like I really crashed out of that last relationship mm. it was not a good relationship mm-hmm. and um I remember at the time having this little voice inside that was like I think this is going to be the making of you like I really <gasps> and at the time like you know I had a real I had a proper mental breakdown and mm. I um was diagnosed with mental health problems. I started mm-hmm. going to regular therapy. I got medication and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it set me off on a path that ultimately, like, I don't want to see myself as like, I don't want to present myself as an end product today. Like, I'm like, and now look at where I am. Yeah. Everything's great and will be forever. Mm. But um, <laughs> ultimately, um, I would never have met my partner uh, mm. had I not, had that not happened. Mm-hmm. And I would have never had, I would have never been able to enjoy a relationship in the way that I do now had that not happened. Because there were things I had to learn about myself in order to be able to do that. And I think for me, like just trusting 
in the path mm-hmm. <laughs> is yeah. the biggest thing because yeah. I think so like you know it's easy to resent the fact that your you know your life looks different or you know a lot of people you have to sort of remember that a lot of people are just squeezing themselves into a timeline rather than thinking about what they want and you can't compare yourself to those people yeah it's kind of like the um the butterfly effect it's like all those things that that happened back then is just ended like made you end up exactly where you are now so there's like plenty of people that do just meet their soulmate I mean my best friend um met her husband when Mm. we were all 17 yeah and they've just been together since (laughs) (laughs) they got married at 27 Mm -hmm. uh started having kids at 30 they are the most beautiful lovely couple they love each other so much and they're so and they have so much fun together Uh and it's like 17 years later (laughs) so yeah so I mean like I just think you can't compare yourself I I had so Mm. much I needed to learn to be able to get to that level of relationship but I'm lucky actually that I had them Mm. as kind of role models um because I actually would quite often look at them and think that's what I want it's not what I have (laughs) that's so good and you know what this reminds me of something I saw on Instagram this week and I sent it to my friend who went through a similar experience recently but it was like if someone is making you feel anxious, that is not the person like that you should be with. It's oh, sort of 100%. like if someone's unlocking this anxiety and you feel stressed about when they're going to message you or you know you're worried about what they're out there doing, like if someone's unlocking that anxiety within you, that's not your person and I think that's a lesson that I've learned the hard way is that mm. it shouldn't be stressful. Like the first part of a relationship should be the easy fun part. You know, there's there's hard stuff to come down the road and if it's not fun in the beginning, it's probably not going to be fun on the journey and at the end. Like a hundred percent agree with that. Like actually my current relationship is the only one I've ever enjoyed from the beginning. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear this for you. It's and just lovely. Like genuinely, <laughs> I um, I had it in my head that relationships were stressful and difficult from the beginning. And like, I was used to that feeling of anxiety and I blamed myself for it and thought, oh, well, it's just a problem with you. You have an insecure attachment, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Mm-hmm. Like I just have never ever doubted us it's so weird like even from the beginning you know if he didn't text me for a day Mm -hmm. I knew he would and I knew that it was because he just lives in his own little like head world (laughs) and he gets wrapped up in stuff but I just I spent so much time like doubting and doubting myself and scrutinizing myself in other relationships Mm -hmm. and this relationship I feel like a like the best version of myself like I feel like he brings out a better version of me and has done since I met him. And I think that's how, like, it's so funny because all my friends that have seen me dating Mm -hmm. (laughs) for years and years were suddenly like, this is so weird. Like, don't you want to sit down and like microanalyze everything he's ever texted you? And I feel like, no, actually, I just feel kind of cool about it. And they've all been like, wow, you're just giving off this like weird Zen vibe. I've never seen in you and it just kind of makes you think like yeah obviously I've worked on myself loads but like there is just a chemistry component to it like the right person like will not activate Mm -hmm. that you know anxious overly anxious sort of yeah I hope so I hope that's the case for other people too but you know everyone has their own journey I suppose and speaking about um being like the best version of yourself this sort of leads into my next question and my last question so have you ever experienced true love and how did you know so would, would you say that this is true love for you now Oh yeah, like I, I think I like that. We sort of laugh about it a lot now because he's always like, "Yeah, you just saw me and you were completely in love." And it, it, <laughs> like, but like, 
I I did I actually oh, this is so embarrassing to admit <laughs> when the first day when we met each other in the park I looked at him and I was like yeah I'm gonna love you oh my god it's so oh, weird isn't so it cute. it was like yeah. this weird it's like someone had put like a microchip in me and I was like oh this is this is right okay this is happening but I was just like yeah I'm gonna love this person yeah um and I did like very quickly in fact like four or five weeks in I like messed up my neck like I woke up and I'd cracked my neck oh god and he came around to look after me and um it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny he picked me out of bed like had to carry me like out a baby <laughs> yeah and I remember saying oh my god I love you <gasps> and then being like oh my god why did I just say that like oh. literally I had and he the, he was like it was so adorable because I literally put my pillow over my head and I was like oh my god what have I done oh my god literally saying I love you to the person you've dated for like six weeks <laughs> yeah I've, I've done that before and you feel oh. so awkward about it you're like maybe they didn't hear maybe they misheard like you know maybe it's just like not <laughs> what I thought would happen but I just love we just laughed so much and then I basically was like look I've shown my cards like when you're ready like can you be the one that says it because you obviously know I already do like yeah (laughs) and then so and then so yeah so then he said it to me like Mm. a month or so later but um yeah true love for me like I mean as like things change and you you want different things as you get older as well Mm -hmm. like you think when you're younger that you know the big drama is romantic and Mm -hmm. whatever like I see true love now as stillness Mm. (laughs) as like the place you go to be still Mm -hmm. and to be peaceful and the place where you just rest and like you know decompress and it's the place where you go to recover from all of the other stresses in your life. Yes, so Um, true. I see our love as like very still. Like a rock, you know, like they're your your rock, they're your constant. It's like the only thing in life that I can really rely on, like, Mm. you know, especially during a pandemic, I'm like, open the front door, he's there and like, Mm -hmm. that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much uncertainty in the world. It's sort of like, and this again goes back to that anxiety feeling, like it should be peaceful, like the person you're with should bring you peace and that's the whole, that's the main point, you know. I mean, people have their fiery, passionate relationships and that's kind of like that is, you know, each to their own, but I think I agree. It's like you want someone that grounds you and is there and is a constant force in your life. You know life. those fiery relationships, they they take, they take so much support from external people as well. Like every time that I was in one of those relationships, I was constantly ringing up my friends being like, oh, yeah, he's done this, he's done that. I feel yeah. like shit, like whatever. Yeah. You need so much support from other people to stay in a relationship like that. It's not sustainable. <clears throat> but the way I sort of describe our relationship now is that it's the first ever like background relationship I've had in the sense that like it is capable of Mm -hmm. sitting in the background of my life Mm -hmm. and I am allowed to focus I'm able to focus on other things but in other relationships when they were so problematic they would constantly pierce into the foreground Mm. and I wouldn't be able to focus on my work I wouldn't be able to focus on my friends I wouldn't be able to because I was so consumed by it like Mm -hmm our relationship is really lovely. It's just this wonderful constant background thing Mm -hmm. that very rarely interrupts the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And there's so many things that have to be front and center and you have to give them the time they need, like work or family or whatever it is. And if a relationship is just taking up all of your mental capacity, it's just, it's never going to be sustainable because if you're putting all your energy into that, this is what I always go back to. There's so many pieces of the pie in your life. And I think you know, you've got your friend, like your friend slice, your family slice, work, boyfriend, like hobbies, traveling, all these different slices. And if a relationship is taking up all of that and giving you this stress, it's just, 
you know, you're not going to be able to get fulfillment or enjoyment from any of those other pieces of the pie. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think if one area of your life's dominating, then it's usually a sign that like mm-hmm. you're dominating in a way that's very negative and has very negative impact on mm-hmm. you or or actually like on your friendships, you know, like I think I lost friendships really when from being draining. <laughs> And you're not a good person to hang out with when you're complaining about a guy the whole time. Like, it's not fun no, for and your like, friends. It's not nurturing those friendships, like, in a way that you should be. It's also very hard to watch as a friend. Like, I've been mm. in both roles now. Like, um, it's hard to watch a friend keep hurting themselves. Yeah, and, 100%. Um, and sort of not really taking any lessons from it. Like, mm-hmm. I think you know, the best thing you want for your friends is for them to realize how great they are and to see themselves like you see them. It's actually pretty painful to watch Mm. someone undervalue themselves chronically yeah especially when you can't like you can give people advice but you can also lead a horse to a horse to water and you know you can't make it drink if someone doesn't want to take your advice and still keep going with their toxic behavior they will so you feel quite helpless at times oh 100 percent. and like I was that person so Mm. I like I have Mm. a lot of empathy (laughs) like you know I have I have um a lot of empathy for people that Mm. like can't get their head around it Mm. or like but you know ultimately I in a way I was lucky that my life just kind of flattened at some point and I had to rebuild it from the ground up and and then I that sort of made me consider what kind of life I wanted to have and in that in those years I changed career I changed relationships I changed like friendships like I really went through like a metamorphosis so I think in a way that was really fortunate yeah I think it must be hard if you're just sort of like if you don't have one single dramatic event to change your course, then it must be hard. And, you know, obviously some people are less self-aware than others as well. Like it's just the way that things are. So Yeah, and you just have to let people make their own mistakes and learn things for themselves, I think. Oh, 100%. We've digressed so much. So <laughs> I want to um, – so you shared with me a really funny one-night stand story, and I'm hoping you can share it again here for everyone listening because I love it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I, I'm trying to work out how I think I must have been mm-hmm. 21 or 22. I lived in Spain for a while and cool. um, we used to go on these big nights out mm-hmm. or whatever where we'd come back at like six in the morning because the, the nightlife there is very different to the UK. Yeah. And um, I remember there was some, I think he was German, a guy that um, met a club, came home with me. Um, it must have been about six o'clock in the morning. And like I... I like woke up maybe an hour or two later with him in my bed looked at him and was like oh my god what have I done (laughs) and then don't know why because I must have been drunk still (laughs) to think that this was like the right thing to do Mm -hmm. I like I made my alarm go off (laughs) I like set a phone alarm while he was asleep (laughs) made it go off um and staged having to go to work so I literally was like okay I've got to go to work now and he was like didn't we literally just get back and he was like why did you go out on a night out like that when you had to go to work the next day like that seems really irresponsible and I was like yeah 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 had to go and like turn the shower on pretend to have a shower put on like my work clothes and like I really like I felt so I mean I was so drunk Mm -hmm. still like yeah um and really had to be like right you've got to go he was like well can I stay here and I was like no no you can't stay you can't stay And then, like, kick the poor guy out, like, at, like, a 7.30 in the morning or something. Oh, no. And then just went back to bed for the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh but, like, at God. the time I was, like, 
I felt like a James Bond. I was like really, really good <laughs> espionage, like sort of like covert operations. Yeah. Like he'll never guess. So like, like, is this, what is this drunk girl doing? Why is she pretending she's got work? <laughs> I remember I, I didn't actually have a job because I was a student. Oh so God. I remember him. I remember him asking like, where do you work? And just like making something up, <gasps> like, and being like, oh, there's a cafe on that street. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> He was like, oh, I'll come see you later. I was like, yeah. Yeah, see you there, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, so embarrassing. Um, but I want you to tell your listeners your story that you told me because that sounds like a good oh, one Oh, God, it's so good. So I thought in the spirit of um, an episode about how to flirt, I would share a flirting win with everyone listening. So I actually can't believe I've never told this story before on the podcast. Like It's been going for a year and this is probably one of my most iconic stories ever. So um, <laughs> I was on a date with this guy. He was actually, I have told the story of this particular date on the podcast before. Really posh guy, really like he was a Tory, membership at Soho House, all these things. It didn't work out, obviously. Wow. Um, anyway, I started getting this massive pain in my lower back. It felt like I was being, being like squeezed in half, like a, a flannel, like a face oh washer. I know. And I was like, I have to go. I have to go. He's like, okay, got on the tube, got to Chancery Lane. And at this point, I was on the floor in the fetal position, like, oh my God, I'm being ripped in half by something. Everyone was just looking oh at me. God. I was like, someone help. And no one helped me. So I rolled out of the tube, rolled onto the platform, was just sitting there like, I, I can't move. Like I was in agony. And oh the God. tube man helped me get to the surface. So obviously at Chantry Lane, there's a few escalators. I was like struggling to get up there. I got halfway and I was like, call an ambulance. Like there's something not right. And I went onto the street, like in the street next to a, a bin, pissed myself because I was in so much oh, pain man. and it was so bad. And then the ambulance came and it was these two guys. One of them was like this um, young Aussie guy and mm. I felt like I was in the street in the gutter having wet myself and I was like, that guy's so cute. And I was literally at this point, <laughs> I was like half dead. And we got into the ambulance and he like hit, they gave me loads of morphine and stuff and I was just there like, I am in love with this guy. <laughs> and he was just like, it was like Florence Nightingale syndrome or something. Like this man's taking care of me. I was just like, oh my God, like it's my, my guardian angel. I just love you so much. And like they took me to the hospital and he was like flirting with me low key. And I could tell, but I was like also just like covered in piss, like, like <laughs> dying in the back of his ambulance. And, oh my God. Oh no. And then when he dropped me at A&E, he like gave me the mouthpiece of the morphine thing that I was sucking on. He goes, here, this is a little gift from me. And I was like, stop flirting with me. I'm like in a wheelchair. Like, this is weird. But also loved it. And then <laughs> it was fine. I just had this UTI that had gone into my kidneys. So it was all good. Okay. Antibiotics, that's fine. And then the next day I was telling my housemates, I'm like, girls, you don't understand this, me and this guy had a connection and they're like, you were just really high on morphine. I was like, no, you don't <laughs> understand. And, um, so I went into this Facebook group called Aussies in London and it has about a hundred thousand Australians. They all live in London. And it, I was like, guys, you need to help me. Does anyone know oh my the paramedic that was working last night? This is what happened. This is what he looks like. I don't know his name, but he's just like, you know, blondie, ginger hair, like really Aussie paramedic. And then it went viral in the group and everyone was tagging all their mates, tagging their ambulance friends, being like, who was working last night? Was this person working? And like, eventually one guy was like, tags this guy. And I think his name was Mikey. And <laughs> it was the guy. 
so they oh my they God. hustled and they found the guy and then we we started messaging and started flirting and um yeah we ended up going on a date and then um slept together and he was like I'm going back to Australia and I was like it's fine this is just this is just all I needed this like this love story to come to a close oh and- so it was un like <laughs> yeah. unresolved like well, like, as in he moved back? Yeah, but it was kind of like I just wanted it to be like a one-time thing anyway. I just moved to London. I wasn't like looking for anything okay. serious. But I was maybe, like, I mean, maybe you should look him up over Christmas. I mean, maybe. He'll be here while I'm here probably. But Yeah, maybe it's time for Mikey Chapter 2. Oh, my goodness. And imagine <laughs> we can do the follow-up on the podcast. But it was such a flirting <laughs> win for me. High on morphine, <laughs> covered in my own peers in the back of an ambulance. And I still scored this hot Aussie guy who was I a mean, paramedic. I mean, <laughs> that is a real coup. Oh, like, I'm very impressed. I know. And my dad's a paramedic, so I feel like <laughs> daddy issues 101. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can see, I can see what's happened here. Yeah, it was um, – maybe I was just feeling homesick. But, no, it was probably my biggest flirting win. So <laughs> – I just love that story. And I thought um, having you on the podcast, you've got so much insight in so many different aspects of dating and sex and relationships. I would love your insight on a bit of a flirting masterclass for everyone listening. And oh I, can, I can help yeah. input as well. Don't worry, because clearly I'm the master. <laughs> I'm on morphine. Oh, this is like, I feel like if my, if my boyfriend knew that that's what I was talking about, he'd be like, you flirting. <laughs> <laughs> Because I like have like zero game. I was just like, I like you so much right from the beginning. <laughs> oh my god! I did read an article that you wrote called "How to Flirt," and this was what inspired yeah, yeah, the yeah. topic. Because I was like, do you know what? I feel like everyone's been in the pandemic. They don't know what they're doing. Everyone's not had close contact with people, and it's just now we've been thrust back into the real world and. People have to learn to flirt again in real life, especially with strangers. And I've had to relearn how to make conversation. Like, I really yeah. lost that skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, me too. So, I mean, apart from the podcast and just, you know, yeah, yeah, interviewing yeah. randoms since it began. <laughs> After, like, how are you? I'm like, I don't know what to say now. Um, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, I think especially, like, I kind of had both experiences of the lockdown because I had mm-hmm. the first lockdown when I was, like, you know, properly single didn't touch anyone mm-hmm. for like a hundred days um mm-hmm. and was really like developed this like almost like I think they call it skin hunger where I was just like fantasizing about touching people <laughs> that sounds like really like dark but <laughs> I mean it's like, like it's like a primal need though like you you need a hug you need yeah. to touch other people it's a human thing so I had yeah like yeah that and like I really it, it it gave me so much distance from the whole thing that I then started like mm-hmm. overanalyzing it all a bit and being like, mm-hmm. how did I do this before? <laughs> I can't even remember. Yeah. Um, even like, where do you put your hands? I know it's such a like cliche thing to say, but when you're speaking to someone, like I remember going out to a pub the first time after the pandemic and there was like so, there's just so many men everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, I just want to talk to all these men, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I forgot it's hard isn't it like and also I think we're worse because of our phones like I think yes eroded our conversation skills to because we're so used to like doing everything digitally now um Mm -hmm. I think we're kind of less uh fluent in conversation maybe I don't know agree and speaking of phones so let's start with digital flirting 
What would be your recommended go-to DM slide? So if you see someone on Instagram, you really fancy them and you want to get to know them, how do you slide into their DMs? I've got a good one for this. I'll have you. I'm going to betray my age because I've never met anyone on Instagram. And like, no. I'm literally never. I mean, I got my first... Um, and this is quite an achievement, actually, given that I've been on Instagram for it says maybe a lot about me, maybe not a good thing. Yeah. Um, I got my first unsolicited dick pic on Instagram. I mean, obviously, I get them. <gasps> oh, congratulations. <laughs> I know. I get them on Twitter all the time. Like, and I actually says some guys go out of their way to send them on email um, no, they as don't. like a JPEG. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Oh my god, they do it. They're like, oh, I read your article. Here's my dick. Um, Are you joking? Oh my god, yeah, I've had some. And I actually, it's really bad, but I quite often screenshot them and send them to my boyfriend. And we're like, that's a nice one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. But I, yeah, so I haven't actually ever. I mean, people message me all the time, but it's the nature Mm -hmm. of my writing. Like, Like, I think I've seen a breakdown on my Instagram. It's like like mm-hmm. my audience is like 90% women. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's not been a place that I ever really and I it's not I don't really set I don't really post thirst traps or like it's it's normally just like my articles and maybe a, a photo of me smiling, but uh I've never really like used it as a seduction technique. Uh but um and actually I've I mean, people message, I get like, you know, message requests all the time and on Twitter mm-hmm. and I, Twitter, particularly from men that are just like, hi, um, that's like yeah. all they write. Uh, but uh, how would I open it? I used to um, actually, my, uh, I'm going to big myself up here because my boyfriend said that my approach when we first started texting was actually the most interesting that he had had in a long time. And he'd been, he's done quite a lot of internet dating. What was the approach? So I hate small talk in like internet dating in whatever when you're texting a stranger and I really don't like like my main thing was not wanting to get dragged into like a pen pal situation where you never meet up mm-hmm. so I was like hey how are you how are you like we sort of did the usual I think I can't remember what the icebreaker was something that was on his profile I don't know and then very quickly I was like right I want to play a game <laughs> and he was like <laughs> so I was like we each get to ask five questions yeah to the other one like whatever you want to know um but once the the sort of like hook is that once you've answered I have to answer too so whatever I ask you I have to answer as well and we sort of started with sort of friendly ones like who's your best friend and whatever (laughs) (laughs) but actually do you know what like it's really funny because we actually covered quite a lot of ground in those messages Mm. and I said you know like what are you looking for in a partner that sort of thing and actually we came up with this we both came up with the three same qualities um Mm -hmm. but one thing is that that game actually prompted him to say look um I really want to have kids like Mm -hmm. and not that far into the future um Mm -hmm. So if you don't want that, then maybe, you know, we shouldn't meet up or take it any further because, you know, that's... And I was like, oh, my God, where has this man come from? Hallelujah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like... Because when, you, when you're dating and you're a 32-year-old woman and you want kids, right, that's a pretty important question to cover off, right? Yeah, but yeah. But most men or the most of the men I've had experience with would mm-hmm. run a mile if in the first like conversation you have with someone they're like I really want to have babies <laughs> um so he really did me a solid because then I was like oh I can relax a bit now because I know yeah. that 
we want the same thing. And he's opened up as well. Like, you know that he's opened up and said that, even though he was probably like a bit nervous to say that too. Yeah, it was just so easy. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, me too. So, um, and it's never been something we've really had to talk about much in our relationship mm-hmm. as a result. Like, um, but it was funny because we, I think we came up with the same, um, like smart, um, what were the three qualities? Smart and kind mm-hmm. and silly. They were like the three. I was like, I need someone who doesn't take themselves too seriously Mm -hmm. and who like we are constantly like pulling like jokes on each other in the house or like practical jokes and winding each other up. And like, I just need that so much, like especially when life gets a bit serious, like you need someone at home that's like making making you laugh all the time. Um, And not even like, you know, it's not like we don't have really like highbrow (laughs) humour. A lot of the time we're just narrativizing our cat and pretending like (laughs) (laughs) that he has like strange attitude problems or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But like the silliness, like, so yeah. So for me, that game was really great actually. Cause I was just like, I can't be bothered for us to, I gave like a little framework for us to be able Mm -hmm. to be like, what do you think about this? And Mm -hmm. uh, what, what's your like, you know, what's your work? And I don't know. I love that. And then some of the questions were more random, like, like, what do you value more, this or this? Or I don't know. I like the game suggestion, you know. I think that's really helpful. In terms of like a DM slide, if we're going in cold and you're just yeah. going to DM someone, I think my go-to, it used to be the eyes looking to the left, you know, like emoji, <laughs> yeah. just the eyes because you don't know what it means. Like, am I flirting with you? Like, am I trying to say something? And then they come back and they're like, what? What is it? And I'm like, I'm now, I'm in. I'm in. You're going to get a notification now. I'm conversation. I'm here for it. And also, they're not going to reply if they don't think you're cute. And at that point, you just cut your losses, you know? And that's it. But if we're talking about someone a bit more special. So, I used to, like, flirt with this this Australian musician online. And they're pretty massive now, so I can't say their name. But he, um, I saw their gig and then I ended up DMing him after it, being like, sexy intelligent musicians oh wait this isn't google and then he replied <laughs> he replied and he was like results show steve martin playing the banjo and i was like <laughs> oh my god i'm so in and so i just picked off and i think because if you say something a little bit different yeah then yeah, someone's yeah. gonna I like that because I think, because I post a bit like, you know, some like sexy pics on Instagram or whatever sometimes. So I get, sometimes get some bit of, you know, some weirdos messaging me on my DMs. If you're listening, you're not a weirdo. I love you so much. But they just say stuff like, hey, how are you? I'm like, Ugh. no, I don't want to tell you how I am. I, like, I tell, that's who I would tell like a woman at the shops. Like, mm. you know, I don't want to talk to you about how I am. Like, say something fun. Mm. Keep it simple and send an emoji or send something totally weird and totally random that they have to reply to. Like, that they can't just look over or they have to be like, what the fuck are you talking about or what is wrong with you? Because that means you're in there. Are there any rules or etiquette that you'd suggest around dating apps and flirting online? Um, I think you have to be, I also, one thing I really hate and it really used to bother me a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this is uh, me and my other journalist friends talk about this quite a lot. Mm-hmm. If you're a journalist mm-hmm. and people find out you're a journalist, the first mm-hmm. thing they do is Google you. Uh... And um, I really hated it. Like, first of all, if I linked with someone on social, on um, an app Mm-hmm. And then without telling them my surname, mm-hmm. they follow me on Twitter or Instagram. 
How did I they find that. you? How? They just look up Rose London journalist. I mean, I, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> and see my photo and then they're like, that's her. Then they get my surname or whatever. That feels horrible. Like, I, it happened to me before and I was like, wait, how did you... That's really weird. I don't like that. Like That is weird. It just makes me feel a little bit like surveilled I don't know and then um and the other thing is um (laughs) me and my friend always talk about this uh when you go on a date as a journalist and someone has read all your work and then Mm -hmm. and like as a as a female journalist like Mm -hmm. a big part of our beat we quite often talk about like things we've been through in our lives so if someone starts like talking to you about stuff that you haven't told them Oh God! Um, but that they have read about you—that is mm-hmm. pretty weird. And I understand yeah. it's totally natural. Like, of course, people do that. And I actually, I, I found out that my boyfriend went to school with one of my best friends before I met him. <laughs> oh so my funny. God! And because I, I saw what school he went to, and yeah. I looked up his first name and his school. So I mean, I'm a freak as well. Um, we but, all do it. Um, but just don't make it obvious. But then when I worked it out, because I said to my friend, I was like, do you know this guy? And he was like, oh, he's the best. I love him. He was like one of my best friends. But then I had this like, oh, God, I know that he's friends with my best friend. You can't um, tell him, though. But I can't tell him. So I mm. <laughs> like the way that he tells it is really funny. But I basically tried to engineer a conversation where he would tell me <laughs> where he went to school. <laughs> and then like and then was like oh that's so funny my friend went there <laughs> and, and then I got away with it for months until we all went out for dinner with the friend and he was like did you tell him about that weird thing you did and I was like, no. <laughs> oh no and then you're out in the open but like uh, I think you have to be really careful like especially with letting on what you've learned about someone by googling them I think that's a big no-no um, and then Around, I mean, obviously, don't send dick pics unless anyone's asked for them. Yeah, unsolicited dick pics, <laughs> a massive no. Yeah, um, and just, I think my best advice for internet dating is get off the internet as quickly as possible, because I've had so many times where I was like, I've got a real connection with this person, mm-hmm. and then I meet up and I'm like, oh, like they give me the ick. And I've been messaging them for like four weeks and you're like, oh shit. And it's such a waste of time. Like it's a waste of everyone's time. Yeah, you yeah, put yeah, your yeah. feelings into it. You get invested and you know so much about this person's life and then you meet and like you kiss them or something and you're like, nah, I hate the way you kiss. Yeah. Like you just have to get offline as, as quickly as possible. I think like I really tried to avoid getting dragged into much preamble. Mm-hmm. And this brings us to um, flirting in real life. So let's talk about flirting in real life. And so we, like, this is like, if you're on, like this, there's two different types of flirting, right? There's, mm-hmm. I'm on a date with you and we've agreed that we're on a date. Yeah. Actually, let's say three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's the, the, the gray area that I'm sure we're all aware of, of the, mm-hmm. is this a date? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, uh, I've just met you. And I'm trying to flirt with you. So there's like in the pub flirting, you've seen someone across the bar and you're having a flirt and then there's flirting on a date. Yeah. There's the one where it's like someone you know has been like, do you want to go for a drink? And you're like, I don't know if this is a date. And then there's the one where it's like, we've decided we're going on a date. So Mm -hmm. you feel more open. Like, I guess for me, like I always try to steer conversation. Like if I'm not sure if the other person fancies me, Mm -hmm. I'd always try and steer conversations in a certain direction. So like ask them about their relationship history and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like I always found and like I don't know if this is because I'm gross but like with a lot of people I'd find that like if the conversation always ends up getting a bit sexual 
Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I think we're both on the same page. But um, I was never very good at eye contact. I'm so bad with it. I get really yeah. awkward and I'm like, I can't stare at you anymore. I need to look away for a little I bit. I think like the old, uh, the old like arm, arm stroke, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I, I'm so unsubtle that I think I, I do a bit of the flirting and like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's so funny because I remember one guy I was dating once saying uh, to me that mm-hmm. um, I always thought that, so some people have said to me that I'm like a huge flirt and I sort of carried that around with me because I'm really, really friendly and I chat to everyone. Mm-hmm. I was always sort of like, I've been accused of flirting before. Yeah, me too. In times yeah, yeah, when yeah. I'm like, I was not flirting. Like yeah. when I've spoken to, I remember speaking to an ex at a wedding and everyone being like, stop flirting with him. And I was like, I'm literally talking to him about <laughs> his dad's job. Like, do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like also because I'm a journalist, I'm good at asking questions, right? Um. So then I remember one guy I was actually... I had like an on and and off sort of thing with this guy in London for Mm -hmm. many years. And I remember him saying to me, like, I would hate, (laughs) this is so funny. (laughs) I would hate to be the object of your affections because, Uh and I was like, why? And he was like, because you would never have like any idea. Like, because I think what I do is when I flirt is that I I sort of flirt and then I (laughs) overcorrect. Like if I think that it's, if I, if in my head, they're not Mm -hmm. flirting back, I then backtrack. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, that wasn't a flirt. Uh, actually, I fancy that guy over there. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just protect yourself. It's a self-preservation thing. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying is that like, mm-hmm. I'm chaotic and I'm not an expert in this. But like, I think it's always confidence, isn't it? Like, it is, yeah. And I think the best thing to tackle low confidence, my advice would be... Alcohol? Or- alcohol or <laughs> what is the worst that could happen? Like, I think I, especially being... Um, someone who's come from abroad. So as an Australian in London, I just think I don't know anyone here. I'm never going to see any of these people again, probably. London is such a big city. If you see someone hot across the bar, my friends always go on at me about this. They're like, you're so embarrassing. Why are you doing this? I'll just go over and be like, hey, can I have your number? And they always say yes, because they're just like, that's cool. Like, I can't believe you just asked me that. I hope that they don't if they've got, like, a girlfriend. (laughs) I mean, but you find that out later, you know, and then you just block and delete. But it's like, I just think, what's the worst that could happen? Like, no one, like, who the fuck cares? You know, you just have to kind of let it go. Okay, well, that is different. And I definitely felt like that when I've lived in different countries. However, as someone that grew up next to London, I know so many, like, and it sounds really silly because you think, like, London's huge. But my God, the degrees of separation. Like, I'm forever meeting people that know people. So. And you always see your ex on the tube and you're just like, what are you doing here? You don't even live here. Get away from me. Well, and also when I was dating and I like before I met my partner now, like, and I have like a bit of a public profile, you're just terrified that like, you know, someone will be like tweeting and being like, I met this girl and she's actually a loser. <laughs> <laughs> she's a loser. Random person on Twitter calls you a loser. <laughs> um, so but like... <laughs> I don't know. It would be an interesting, I actually, if you, I, I was going to write a book before I met my partner. My my plan was to write a book where I crowdsourced among all of the people close to me. Um, and I get, I got them all to set me up on a date with who they thought was, would, cause I was like, I don't think I know what I want. And I mm. was like, I would love the concept of asking everyone in my life to, to, to set me up on a date and to see all the different people that they think that are right for me. That would be fun for a podcast, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, and I was like, my mum would definitely go for like, 
you know, she always said that she thought I'd need to be with someone older and she was always really mm-hmm. like, you know, this is your type. And someone else would be like, no, 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 you need someone fun and whatever. And like everyone has, everyone sort of sees and values different aspects of your personality, right? So they all think that, and like the conclusion, which I had already reached before doing any of this was that it would be like, there isn't really a type and it's all down to like chemistry, chemistry. right? Yeah. But, um, I think uh, it's interesting because yeah I just like you know when you're dating you, you you kind of have to I was saying this to my friend the other day actually she's on the dating market currently getting a bit frustrated but actually knowing what you don't want is is much more valuable <laughs> definitely and it comes back to like learning those lessons like you said if you didn't go through all those experiences that you did with your different relationships you wouldn't learn what you don't want and what you won't put up with you know and the extension of that is listening to it like the like like kind of returning to the first thing that we talked about which is like you know recognizing that and then actually enforcing it which is a two totally different things (laughs) yeah because you can often learn and have bad experiences and then you just keep going through the same patterns again and again I'm terrible for that I always go for like gross band guys and every time like you're cringing me out you need a shower like you dress bad why do I keep going back (laughs) well I keep I always think about that like I I, people attribute it to Einstein but like Mm -hmm. um I I don't even know if it's an Einstein quote it's one of those ones that floats around the internet but that one that's like a definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and and expecting a different result like I definitely (laughs) um I definitely was that was my dating life before I met Simon and actually before um um, and, and actually, because the whole world changed and the whole way we interact with people changed, like the way I approached dating changed and then the result changed. So I, I really do think like it was he's the only person I've ever dated in this way and like with a mm-hmm. different approach. And, and it's worked. And I mean, he also I, I had sort of got to that stage and I also like quite openly say to him, like, I don't think I would have swiped right for him before because he looked really nice. <laughs> And usually I used to find that off-putting, which is so tragic. Um, but I was like, I, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, like, this guy looks nice. I'm going to see what he's about. Mm-hmm. And he was probably like the first person I ever thought that and swiped right. And then bish, bash, bash. Yeah. So if we're saying the main issue with people that people face when it comes to flirting is confidence, yeah. how would you suggest they overcome this challenge? Oh, the eternal question, like how do yeah. you grow in confidence? I mean, I do think that dating gets easier the more you do it. Like mm-hmm. Agreed. I have a friend now who's like a pro. She like has one night a week, which is a date night. And mm-hmm. she goes out with different people and she's really like today I'm feel like she's just very like nope that wasn't for me or yeah okay maybe okay. see them for a second time or like mm-hmm. because you get less self-conscious about it and you don't really have time to overthink it so mm-hmm. um I think trying to the more you do it it's like exposure therapy the more you do it the less <laughs> you worry about it and the more mm-hmm. confident you are in going and, and being there no I totally I totally feel that I think do you know what's really helped me weirdly is doing the podcast and I know this is an mm. advice that everyone can use but it's just like learning to speak to new people like maybe like a way that you could adapt that is even approaching people in a bar as though you were traveling so like you know just having a chat to someone mm. like there's no ulterior motive it's just kind of like 
getting used to speaking to new people in real life that you don't know and like learning about their life and, you know, what they like and what they're doing there and that sort of thing. Like just opening those conversations with new people. I think that's right. And also, you know, that's kind of what I was saying. Like when I, my approach to dating in the pandemic was very different because I started seeing potential dates as just people to get to know. Mm. Um, Whereas before that, I was like, is this going to be the father of my Mm. children? And I was going in (laughs) with so much expectation, like, when I went into the pandemic, I was just like, well, I'm not going to get to meet them for ages. So let's just see what they're about. And I just approached Mm -hmm. it in the way that I would approach meeting anyone else. (laughs) Just like, Hey, who are you? What do you do? What makes you tick? Like, um, and managed to detach that sort of pressure and expectation. I think Mm -hmm. that's a a really good way of doing it. Like people think that dating is this whole sort of mystical thing. There's so many, so many bullshit, like advice, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. things like floating around. Like I was told, you know, I'm a very like confident, assertive person. And I've always always told that, you know, men don't like that and don't be like that. And um, pretend that you're someone else is essentially what I was told. Um, And I found dating really hard as a result because I never felt like I could be myself. Like this relationship, I was just like, this is who I am. And like from the start, and, and and it was just like he was like, cool. I love you know assertive women, and like I love that mm-hmm. you're really strong and powerful, and I love that you're really successful, and yeah. like don't hide that. And he was really into mm-hmm. it. Like so, you know, I think ultimately trying not to play games. And um, I'd been given so many pieces of information, like you know, people just being like, you should just like not like tell them what you want. You should not like sleep with them you should not do well there was a lot of don't do this with dating (laughs) um and I found it really like I was like oh because that's just not the way I approach life in general like I'm quite open and honest and I'm pretty frank and if there's a lot of things that you can't do it's like you're in a straitjacket you're just kind of like oh my god I can't say this I can't do this like what what do you do like my main piece of advice is fuck Mm. that (laughs) yeah (laughs) fuck that all um like all of that Like, yeah, okay, so I did manage to bag myself some relationships when pretending to be someone else, but guess what? Those relationships were rubbish uh, because they weren't built on a foundation of, like, me being me, and I couldn't keep it up. You can only fake it for so long, yeah. It's not sustainable. (laughs) And so actually, like, you know, maybe, you know, as a, a very confident woman, like maybe there will be fewer guys that are interested in me and maybe that means I will have to go out on more dates and I maybe I will get rejected more but mm. when the right person comes mm-hmm. they will be like this is what I like about you yeah and I think this is how you keep it fun as well like I think a lot of people forget like going on a date it shouldn't be a chore it shouldn't be like you're dreading it like it's meant to be fun and if you don't want to go out with someone just don't do it you know like if you don't want to speak to someone in a bar don't do it but But also like if you don't enjoy someone's company like relationships are long like (laughs) especially if you're like facing down the prospects of a lockdown like I genuinely like we're like I still just really enjoy my boyfriend's company I'm like yeah, he's such a cool person. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, yeah, be yourself and even mm-hmm. be yourself, even if it, if you've gone through a really long period of people not wanting to see you for a second date or whatever, like don't change who you are um, to try and bag someone because you'll inevitably bag the wrong person. Yeah. So, yeah, as you said, you might bag someone and it might speed up the process, but ultimately in the end it's just going to crumble because it's not based on anything real. Yeah. So. I think you need to be honest, right? Yeah. So I guess to summarize, I would say practice makes perfect. 
get out there, just get chatting to people, whether you've got an intention to flirt with them or not. A hundred percent though, I think you just have to be yourself. And I know that like, you know, there's that like men are from Mars books and like women that are like, oh, what was the one? Someone made me read some book when I became single that was like basically telling you how to be like someone else and like I did try that for a while and I ended up in situations with men that I didn't really like but then when I actually was just like this is who I am (laughs) um ultimately I found dating much more enjoyable so yeah and that's the thing it's a process like it's not all about the end goal of finding someone it's just enjoy the time you have and learning from other people and And meeting people is fun like in its essence in its essence like you know that's you know we're we're all just you know connecting with people all the time like it's interesting you can learn stuff like seeing it as like a positive thing in your life rather than like like a chore I think is is a good good way to frame it 100% well thank you so much Rose for joining me for this episode of the podcast it's been so much fun and I've loved having you it's been really enjoyable thank you so much for having me and thank you for your patience I hope you enjoyed my chat with the lovely Rose. Please let me know on my Instagram. It's at madsworld.mp3 or on my website, madsworld.co, if you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share. Love and elbow taps. Peace. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 